I like the mirror in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's also the weird thing. The the funny thing about this is so the TV is like in front of me and this mirror is behind me, which is a and the TV is like way too high. I don't know if you saw in the picture. It like mm-hmm. it's like my neck hurts all, like just from like watching the Stephen Skull movie on it. It's not a good TV. Well, I mean the TV's fine, but its placement is awful. But with the mirror behind it, that literally like I'm watching the TV and then I'm seeing the reflect like the TV's reflecting into the mirror, but then like during dark scenes when the TV's black, I'm seeing the mirror's reflection of the TV, but since it's been reflected <laughs> twice, like it's right ways again. <laughs> so I'm just seeing a second little picture in picture on the TV. <laughs> like replicated perfectly. But you get uh, double the Seagal in your Seagal. Yeah. But fun fact, I Ooh. hate Connecticut sucks. <laughs> what's wrong with connecticut i'm not trying to say anything controversial here but connecticut the entire state it's garbage oh there's our opener i'm gonna i'm gonna edit that out i'm gonna put it at the beginning i don't want i'm not trying to make any enemies i love all of god's creations but um connecticut is like a trash to your state <laughs> but you can't check your six it's kind of like, you know, taking a screwdriver to a gunfight. What's happening? Just like old Tom, Tom. Welcome back to Steven See It All. We're Steven Seeing Them All, so you, Steven, don't have to. <laughs> Today we're talking about Submerged from 2005. We where are. the poster is a submarine and submerged, you'd think submarine, and they spend you'd like think, wouldn't minutes. you? Yeah, they spend like fifteen minutes on a submarine, and then the rest of the movie doesn't blows have up to at do the with. almost exact midpoint of the movie. Yeah, the rest of the movie has absolutely nothing to do with the submarine. No, they they say submerged once. They say we are submerged, and that's it. To be fair, in the movie's defense, I don't think it happens in the midpoint of the movie. It happens whenever the movie just becomes a different movie. So, <laughs> arguably, the climax of the first movie is in the submarine, and then the like exposition of this other movie that they put here is yeah. like back on land. And oh, I'm Aaron, by the way. Oh, I'm Zach. I'm Hans. Uh, yeah, this feels like two 45-minute movies that were just sandwiched together, sandwiched or together, even edited completely differently. Yep. That's. So oh, strange. the first 45 mo- minute movie hates you. <laughs> and <laughs> the second 45 minute movie doesn't hate you as much, but is trying <laughs> very, very hard to be Bad Boys 2. <laughs> and also Mission Impossible and also Fast and Furious. So, I, okay, I was watching this movie. It was a rogue nation the that takes place at the opera. The aesthetic of this film I can only describe as aggressive. Like, uh, I was the first of our group here to to start it. I was the first of our group here to start it. And like 10 minutes into the movie, I sent a message to the other two and I said, be warned, major seizure hazard throughout this movie. Yeah, like, before we even, before we even go into a synopsis, that's a great, that's a great point to start on because the, the editing and the way that everything is sort of smash cut together, it's not, it's like a smash cut at three times the speed. It's with like, well, and we talked about it's like it in it's the, trying uh, to give you a seizure. Well, like we talked about like in the Michael Oblowitz ones, it also does like, you know, those interesting editing when a character gets, you know, aggressive at like, you know, rapid fires between them. It's that. That's on not it's, it's a million times worse. It's right. So but much it's worse. for no reason. 
<laughs> it's oh, not yeah, leading yeah. up oh, to no. anything. No, the whole intro sequence with the with the uh, credits rolling in the background is just like flash from dark color, light color, dark color, light color, dark color, light color. It's just back and forth constantly and for like, like a solid three minutes, and it's 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 very difficult to watch. Like, I, I don't want to sound like a yeah. It did like it's ugh. anyway. It's just bad. I, Aaron, That's what I say. Like bad. the first forty five minutes of this movie hates you. Aaron thankfully sent us that message saying, "Oh, a seizure warning for this movie." And I stupidly was thinking, you know, like that infamous Pokemon episode, like, "Oh, there's gonna be a moment." Like he's warning us because, like, twenty minutes in, you have like these five seconds that are really bad. And I started watching, and no, it is immediate no, and right. it is constant. <laughs> it is from the start, and it just is there mostly for the first four or five minutes, but it doesn't completely go away. No, it doesn't it completely go away. If, if you didn't have a seizure in the first 45 minutes, half. you still have a chance. <laughs> if this wasn't a direct-to-video uh, movie, I would have said that they they had a challenge. Like, how quickly can we get people to walk out of the theater? <laughs> how quickly can we get people to return this to Redbox or wherever <laughs> you, unfortunately, to the dollar bin at Walmart? So, uh, okay, so the I, I said I could only describe the aesthetics in this movie as aggressive. Uh, and I was there's aggressive. a whole lot of reasons for that. You have all these crazy smash cuts. You have shots where, like... There will be several seconds of one continuous shot just taken out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it, it'll be, like, maybe a five-second shot, and the middle one second is just gone. And sometimes, but not always, a random one second of another shot put in yes. there. Sometimes not. Sometimes yeah, not. Strange. Sometimes they'll just insert a random one second from some other shot in the middle there. Or not exact middle, just, like, a little off of the middle. So it's confu- extra confusing. Uh, and the, does that angry. insert have a it's reason to be there? Movie. No. And the the color grading is extreme. <laughs> so you'll go through yes. like five minutes where everything is so green, you can't actually discern details within the frame. Or like I remember one specific, there was an outdoor shot that everything was so yellow. <laughs> I couldn't actually tell what was going on. It now see, my bad. favorite... My favorite part about the color grading, though, like you mentioned, so it does the classic Hollywood thing of like a foreign country and like, you know, to the south or Middle East, you know, just like anywhere that's vaguely kind of warmer. Hollywood likes to just make like super tinted yellow. This movie does that to a whole cranked up to 11, but also characters in the same country at the same location will have different color grades. Like it will cut from harsh yellow (laughs) to like somewhat normal, but they're like 10 feet apart from each other. Also... Everyone is horrifically sweaty all the time. That was that was my first, including the, the first viewer. thing in my notes. I don't have that many notes on this one. I tried to not take notes, and then I had to put stuff down just so that I could remember it. <laughs> Everyone is sweaty. I don't know why. Everyone is sweaty just sitting in a car with air conditioning on. Everyone just is sweaty constantly. just having a conversation in an office building. Everyone so, is sweaty when they're doing so. work outside. But then everyone is also sweaty when they go back inside. It's oh, I finally feel I finally feel seen. I finally feel depicted on film. So I I had about like like maybe seven eighths of the way through this movie, which I'm actually embarrassed that it took me this long to figure out. I was thinking, what is this movie trying to be? Because this aesthetic looks like something familiar to me, but I can't figure it out because it's it's just not doing it well enough for me to figure out what it is. <laughs> I figured it out. Bad Boys 2 came out in 2003, two years before this movie. Yeah. This movie, I believe, was trying very hard to be a Michael Bay film. 
but <laughs> imagine if Michael Bay only had fifteen dollars and a handful <laughs> of peanuts to make a Bayhem film. The funny, the very funny thing about that is that's the most logical explanation from what I've read about the movie, like the background information I got, the kind of production nightmare that it was. It wanted to be something very different. This was it obviously kind of a production accidentally nightmare. got. And it accidentally got to the Bayhem aesthetic. It wanted to be something very different. But before we talk about that, Hans, what actually happened in <laughs> Please, this movie? Yeah, Please we're getting way me. ahead of ourselves. We've talked about how awful it looks and how sweaty everybody is, but we don't even know what it's about. So, okay, as Hans goes through this synopsis, I just want you, dear listener, oh, to imagine everyone is blue or green or yellow and, and just sweat. dripping in sweat. <laughs> Oh, yeah, speaking of the green, sorry. The, it also wants to be the Matrix. Okay, anyway, sorry, Hans, go Yeah, anyway, that. continue. And also... <laughs> they oh, literally man. do, like, the, oh, the scene where Neo and Trinity enter into the big office building. They do that scene. Anyway, continue. I don't, I don't even remember how it what starts. Happened? So we... There's a guy... I, I was, I'm just going to go through this quick. There's a guy, he does mind control. Uh, he, like, opens your eyes wide <laughs> okay, and shows okay. you a whole, just, whole bunch of weird images in. that they don't really explain. And it's supposed to, you know, imprint something in your brain. He and uses that a VR can headset. Be, yeah, that can be triggered whenever he wants via some really weird old telephone. Doesn't matter. Uh, we start off with, like, learning about him because they have a U.S. drone circling a dam, but really low where you can see it really obviously. And then they make a whole like, big deal out of this Predator like drone that doesn't look anything like a Predator drone. It's just No, it looks like a 1950s low-budget science fiction movie is being shot. It is like a toy model of some random plane they got from, like, that, like you said, is not a Predator drone. It is, like, from the 50s. <laughs> It's hanging on strings, like, and in yes, order to make yeah. it look like it's moving, they just move the camera backward along the length of the. <laughs> you might you might think we're joking, like we're just saying, oh, it had some bad effects. No, I was no, watching this. I legitimately was... <laughs> paused, and I was like, "Did I pick the right movie? Did I pull up the right thing? Because this looks like it's from like this is like Ed Wood, like Bella Lugosa, like quality special effects here." Yeah, so you open on the U.S. spying on this dam, which is supposed to be the cover for all this mind control operation, whatever, and they characters are introduced i don't really care that much and then <laughs> after like a solid 15 minutes we move to an aircraft carrier completely unrelated and a guy uh calls for seagal's character who's just labeled as cody i don't have his last name cody is his uh, last name Co oh cody's what's he his is first name chris cody christopher chris Christopher Chris Cody, Cody, are you serious? <laughs> yes. Yes. He is disgraced agent Chris Cody Banks. Yeah, so a <laughs> uh, guy calls for <laughs> disgraced agent Cody Banks. Um, and <laughs> you have this shot <laughs> of Seagal in handcuffs and uh, chains around his, his legs walking down a hallway in slow motion to some really intense music and it lasts for so long. <laughs> so long. <laughs> to be, that also it's describes like, like half the shot of this movie is just some really weirdly intense music on a shot that lasts too long. Oh yeah, it's so long. And he, he walks his way down. Oh wait, no, but what, before we get there, there's a, a whole unit of guys that go into like Oh yeah. Take out the take out the dam. A whole unit that mm -hmm. like the the A team well, not the A team, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're like spec ops guy yeah like the, I, I mean a team like the first ahead of time yeah the first team to go there so they go there they fail they get captured they get brainwashed that's the whole except thing. one of them was one of them was brainwashed 
before. Oh yeah, what? Yeah, because beforehand. he's the guy who accidentally like scuttles the mission because of the brainwashing. Right. See, I didn't even follow this that much. I, I really, I, I said to Zach, I said to to both of you guys, um, I wish that I could speed these movies up like you can podcasts. Like, I, I don't want to watch the movie. I just want to talk about the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, these are way more fun to talk about than to watch. If I could watch this at one point two five or one point five speed, it'd be so nice. You, you can tell. I, my, I'm just not that into it. So if yeah, eighteen goes on, in, like, they fail. Those mind control VR helmets that we see in the movie, and just I can in just five minutes have seen it. the movie, just like <laughs> absorb it. Yeah. So they go in, they fail. You you get your weird extra long intro to Seagal with music and slow mo. He sits down, um, and all of a sudden he opens his mouth, and when <laughs> Steven Seagal opens his mouth, you hear the most just horrible. Like stereotypical black guy impression, it's, and he's like that through the whole movie, except for the, the points worst. where he's ADR'd over by some other guy. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get there because, <laughs> because it's like a good, uh, probably a good mm, third of the movie is him actually talking, and it's this awful. I I don't have another way of putting it. it it's just an awful impression of a stereotypical black person. It's the worst, and he. You, he just mumbles through the whole thing. You can't. You can barely understand what he's saying. I had subtitles on through the whole thing, <laughs> which, first of all, the subtitles that I read had barely anything to do with what was actually being said on screen because there was so much swearing and so much like mumbling and whatever. The subtitles just kind of glossed over that and sort of injected <laughs> context into the movie because they're you couldn't understand what they were saying, and that doesn't matter. So Zach has okay, to wait, 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 real quick, right, real quick. What? Oh, I just wanted to point out, I didn't want to interrupt, but I just wanted to point out, this is the by far the longest, this is by far the longest <laughs> we've gone before they introduce Seagal. Like, it is a solid, like, ten yeah. minutes into this movie before he shows up. It's, He's normally in yeah. there within the first two minutes. Um, Two, similar to ticker. Aaron's. Except for Ticker. Similar to Aaron's, yeah, whenever you're literally watching, you're like, when does he show up? Similar <laughs> to Aaron's experience last week, I think it was. The when I was watching it, the subtitles when I was, I was watching this on Amazon Prime, the subtitles refused to sync up like they were 20 <laughs> seconds ahead of what was happening. <laughs> so I was watching this without subtitles. And so with Aaron, he was trying to watch a movie that was like characters were speaking Japanese without subtitles. So he just like didn't know what they're saying. It's an entirely different language. I could not understand half of what Seagal was saying. So similarly, I just missed half of what was happening in this movie because <laughs> I could barely understand Seagal with like the volume turned all the way up without subtitles yeah. on. So that was I'm so, I'm I'm understanding what it was like. Probably about Thank a third you. of the movie is actually him talking, and then the other two thirds of the movie that involve him, it's <laughs> it's someone that doesn't have even remote anything even close to his voice no. doing their best Seagal impression, ADRing over him, and I I just <sighs> it's so I mm, I'm gonna have to edit my my stumbling out here because I'm trying to put together what i want to say about it it's so bad this is like this is a real movie that was made by professional okay. people it, it felt when i say <laughs> this was like two 45 minute films mushed together it fe- i it is two 45 minute like student films put together yeah okay. so the okay. first there 
the first I have information that will explain all of this. So we need to we need to plow through this recap because I I have background information that will explain everything. I have so much want to say. We have to we gotta go. Go. Hans, go. No, I know. I I just recap at one point two five times speed. Yeah. So you're introduced to to Cody Banks. He (laughs) starts talking about how um, his team, his crew, they were put in jail. He was put in jail. We don't get explained why until later. They say much, we have one much, final mission for you. Later. Yeah, much, much, much later. Like, they say the we have one final mission for you. If you do the mission, then your whole team, you'll go free. You'll And $100,000 each. Yeah, and $100,000 each, which doesn't sound like that much money, but whatever. Oh. He talks, he says to his team, we're going to be rich after this. And it's like, well, <laughs> hundred grand. Anyway. To be fair, be it pretty is well pretty off. funny. I wouldn't mind having $100,000 out of nowhere, but if you're, you know, to get you know, life or death mission and to come out of prison. That seems like not a steep fee. Anyway, they all get on a helicopter. They're given this person who's going to watch over them and another person who's going to watch over that person or is their boss. Doesn't matter. They get on the helicopter. They go to the landing area, land, they go to the landing zone. And the guy who was watching over the person who's watching over them gets off the helicopter first. And then the helicopter goes back up and they're like, no, we don't need him. Turns out he was a double agent, and Seagal somehow knew that from the beginning. Oh. Whatever. It was frustrating. Oh. They land somewhere else. <laughs> they meet up with this with this woman who's supposed to be Seagal's friend from way back, and they have their own little A-team. <sighs> somewhere in there, they get to they they do like this intro to each of the team members from yes. his crew. Yes. And it's the you know, when you have when you have the the classic the classic four-man group. There's the wild card. There's the demolitions guy. There's like the leader, and then there's the the charismatic guy. And you yeah. do the smash like uh, headline <laughs> and the freeze frame Except to show who they are and what they do. It just kept they going. do that. Yeah, they do yeah. that in this one. They do like yeah. the classic action movie thing, but they do it like eight times. It, it just, just keeps go- going. It's, it's the same. Maybe. What was the movie most that of- had the the mafia bosses or the out um, for a kill. It was out for a kill was all over again. They, they learned that nothing. They, it's the same thing. They just they I, cut I between each one of those, title, the main baddies, and in this one, the main heroes. And it, there's so many of them, and you lose all all. But we don't context. get the fun facts this time. We don't, we know, don't know, get the no, fun, no fun facts. facts. Like it's all pertinent information. Except half of them die in the first half <laughs> More of the movie. More than half. Oh, well, in the first, yes, you're right, in the first and half. And then we spend like the most important parts of the film with like three of those people. <laughs> So just introduce those three and have them be there the whole movie. We yeah. don't need the other five guys. Uh, and it's it all goes back to what you said is that there are just two movies here smashed together. Anyway, they the first make their way is, to this dam. Hunt for Red October, a la Michael Bay. <laughs> and then the second half, I don't even know what it is. It's like it's just trying to ape the aesthetic of Michael Bay, but they have 15 nickels in someone's pocket trying to put it together. <laughs> I'm so mad at this movie the more I think about it. So their whole ragtag team, they make their way to this dam. They kill everybody and go down into the dam. And then they have to fight off an army that's really slowly advancing towards them. And nobody gets hit by any bullets, even though they're just standing out in the open. Nobody reloads. It's just a huge mess. There's a tank, and somehow the tank can't take these guys out. It's just so awful. Okay, if you're fighting a battle inside a dam, which is currently holding back, Millions and millions of gallons of water. Yeah, and do not a, fire and the main 
the main gun of a tank. I very much yeah. like that the good guys are setting these explosive charges, and the tank, which is trying to stop them, just shoots artillery rounds that are doing as much damage as yeah. the explosive charges will do. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. So they rescue all the prisoners from the previous team that came in that all got brainwashed, but they don't know they were brainwashed, even though one of the people that's on their team knew they were brainwashed, but didn't tell them they were brainwashed because that would have been too much information. Just say, hey, so put they, them in the brig and then we yeah. can avoid the other half of this movie. Yeah, right. So they leave, they go and they get on this sub that's just there and they steal it. And that's the that's the part of Submerged. We are sub. Submerged. And that's it. Like they just get on the sub and then the dam blows up. And that's the first, like, well, that's actually not quite the first half. Then you get to the climax of the first movie, we'll say, (sighs) where the brainwashed guys try to take over the sub. They kill a bunch of people, but then the ragtag team kills them. And then they radio the carrier that sent them on the mission. And the carrier says, well, we can just kill everybody on the sub. Problem solved. So they blow up the sub, but Seagal and his crew escape on a lifeboat. I'm done. I'm so irritated with this movie. I'm so tired of this. That's the first movie. That's the first one. They all escape the sub on a lifeboat and they're good. And that's fine. But then they have to track down the mind control guy. And that starts the second movie completely unrelated, completely edited completely differently. And somehow makes even less sense. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And I honestly, what they track him down. It doesn't. How does any, I don't, I do not know how anyone knows anything that they know. Like I I don't figure, I cannot see how anyone discovers any of the information that they have. They track him down to unnamed in the Middle East. And there's a, government that's like i thought it was south america is it supposed it's supposed to be uruguay okay uruguay they don't establish it well it's supposed to be uruguay also uruguay did not have a like dictatorship at this time like they depict of course like a completely (laughs) a historical uruguay so there's messed up government that mind control guy has his hands in and it's all a big mess and they have to kill mind control guy and then they end up going to this opera and tosca that was the best part of the whole movie it was actually. Part. I'll let I'll let you talk about that because I'm so irritated with this. I can't talk about it. <laughs> okay, anymore. I really can't. So, I'm so done. It doesn't matter. They they go to the opera and save yeah. the day and kill a bunch of people because everyone's at the opera. Oh, everyone who got mind control got murdered by the good guys. There's no way to save the people who get mind controlled. Like they establish earlier on in the movie, once you get mind controlled, like you're done. There's no reversing the mind control. They don't even attempt yeah. to reverse the mind control. So anyone nope. who gets mind controlled, they just kill them. Yep. And Security then at the guards, end of the movie, it's waiters, like a whatever. It's like a like an ad for a vacation resort or something. And Seagal <laughs> and the one surviving member of his team are surrounded by a bunch of women that haven't been in the movie thus far. Well, no, it's two survive. Sorry, two surviving members of his yes. team. Uh, and that's it. And they have to be surrounded by scantily clad women because that hasn't happened yet in this movie. Of course, I'm gonna have to chop this to hell and back because there was a lot of stumbling in there i didn't like this one i was really irritated <laughs> by this one i didn't like the it. more i think about it i wanted I it to be it. over it's so bad all agree so on bad. that one maybe can we all agree do we all are we all united on this one yeah i think uh this one was pretty horrible there were there wasn't anything redeeming there weren't any like funny moments there so it was just bad i will say okay during the opera thing the assault okay. on the opera house. Okay, yeah, fair enough. A couple of things about the assault on the opera house. So the opera that they go to see is Tosca. And the reason they're going to the opera is because the president of Uruguay, who's being 
pressured by the mind control guys to allow them to do mind control is against the mind control. Like, he's going to enact a law or something preventing them from doing that. Because, okay, the reason... Okay, here's a small aside. The reason Seagal is involved <laughs> That's in this... That's this whole podcast. We might as he, well call this podcast that. A small aside. Yeah. I like it, actually. That's, that's, that's actually pretty good. Just a small hour, 45 minute aside. Um, so part of this whole thing is there's like this business guy who wants to use the mind control to influence government in order to like help him grow his business and things so he can enact laws that would help him, you know, operate his business. And so Seagal like confronts him in the opera box. This guy who was like not mentioned throughout the entire movie, he just like shows up in and <laughs> in the last like twenty minutes of this movie, I have no idea who he is, but they explain as he's introduced like why he's important to this movie, and Seagal talks to him about like the mind control and says that it's bad, but what's worse what the worst thing about the mind control is that businesses like capitalism is getting involved. <laughs> He implies in this speech to this bad guy that it, mind control itself, okay, he doesn't, Seagal isn't really against, he's okay with it as long as it's in the hands of government, but once businesses get involved, then he's against mind control, literal mind control. Mind control, you know, the thing and that is, is irreversible also... and irredeemable and you'll just be killed if you have, are mind controlled. Yeah. This is also echoed outside of Seagal, too. Like, other people even say, like, oh, yeah, the mind control is awesome. It's just, like, the problem is, like, you know, it's getting into, like, you know, the private enterprise in the wrong hands. <laughs> like, everybody's actually cool with mind control tech. Like, and not even, let's not even say mind control. Like, a painful, brutal, like, brainwashing process where they, like, yeah. force your eyes open and feed nightmare, nightmare, nightmare images into your face. Yeah, the way the mind control Everyone's works cool with is that, that it in- implants a false memory of your, the person that you love the most being in imminent danger. And then convinces you that if you don't do this thing, this person will die. And so the way that it motivates you to do whatever the person who's mind controlling you to do is that it, it places a false memory in your head that someone you love is about to die. And if you don't do if you don't follow these orders, they will die. And no one has an issue with that. It's no just like an the issue wrong with people that. having it. At no point in this movie do they say this is in itself bad. Like they never say that. What they're mad about is that the wrong guy has control of it and that it is profit motivated <laughs> which is amazing profit motivated. and that's the problem here yeah. but, okay so the tos the tosca opera scene uh tosca is one of the very few operas that i've actually seen uh and it's kind of amazing that like the timing here like where they are in the opera as this whole thing goes down is pretty good. Uh, from what I remember of Tosca, like it, I mean, it's all pretty quick, so it's like all in the opening scene. Um, but it, the timing lines up pretty good, and there are actually just like a couple moments that I thought if you took this and put it into a different movie, it would probably be a pretty good moment. Um. Like, I was getting, like, I don't know how to describe this other than, like, Babylon vibes. <laughs> so, there's a... Mo- okay, here's a little, okay. let me explain. Okay. So, like, there's a moment where Lady Agent, whose name I do not remember, um, the lady that uh, Seagal knows that he, like, calls. 
she like swings down from the balcony and kicks one mm. of the mind control people and she like lands in some seats and then a whole bunch of people like point guns at her face like really close so she has like this halo of guns around her head like john wick like, two poster style like john wick <laughs> two poster style and i thought oh and like she gives this cool smile and the way the color grading in this moment actually works for it like if you just took a freeze frame of this this freeze frame this one frame could be in a much better movie if, if i didn't know anything about what's going on in the scene i just saw this photograph I would say that could belong in a pretty good movie. I cannot, I, because of the way that this movie is shot, I cannot say that about uh, most of the rest of the movie. Like, even basic shots of just, like, someone walking down a hallway. There are just so many fundamental flaws with how the film was made that I cannot say, okay, this shot could be from a good movie. But there are, like, two shots. There's that, where the guns are, like, around her head. And then in the same scene, when uh, the sniper guy falls, uh, and there are, like, flower petals falling on him, and he's laying there, and it's this slow push-in as you hear, like, the last notes of the opening of Tosca playing. Like, that was pretty good, I would say. In a, that would work in a totally different movie. But there are so many fundamental flaws with how this movie was designed and blocked and shot and edited that I I can't think of any other frame throughout the rest of the movie that could be in a good movie. Every single frame is a testament to how bad this movie is. Like, if you took a still image, you would say that still image can only exist in a bad movie. Uh, that's a good way of putting it. I'd agree with that. Thank you. I feel so very strongly you're about saying this, as you can the... see. Wait, hold on. It's 95 minutes. I'm doing some math here. Do some math. So you're saying there's like two frames that in total. Yeah, you would that say... one. Okay, put yeah. that on the in the show notes. So then what you're telling me is that there are 136,798 frames that you hated, that are terrible, <laughs> that you did not like. Yes, bad, 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 bad. <laughs> Okay, I'd say that's pretty two that I thought movie. that's pretty good actually. There was there was one laugh that, that I got from this. The the one guy from his team that survives to the end, can't remember his name either. Uh, he makes his way or on their way to the opera for whatever reason they're separated from Seagal on their way to the opera. Don't remember why, but they for whatever reason they end up they in a in big car taxis. chase and. <laughs> at the end of the car chase, they slam into a truck carrying a bunch of watermelons and watermelons spew <laughs> everywhere. That was very good. Yeah. And Ooh. then because they were all beat up from this crash, the one guy stumbles and like he has a cut on his head. He probably For like the was, rest of the movie. You know, a little whacked a little out of it. Yeah. And he kind of stumbles to the opera, and then when he gets there, everybody else has to, you know, bypass security to get into this place. He just kind of walks right in, and then walks right out onto the stage of the opera, and just sort of looks around with this bewildered look on his face. And he ends up actually saving somebody. I don't remember exactly how. He shoots that, the I conductor. Was, that's it. Because the conductor was also mind-controlled. Yes. Of course. Could, yeah. Um, I could not tell you why. <laughs> Yeah, that was very good. I did like that. But that was it. The 
only laugh I remember having in this movie, the one where I laughed, is when they're setting the explosive charges in the dam during the first movie. And Sadal <laughs> tells a person, all right, you got 10 minutes, then get your white ass out of here. Yeah, um, as if you're not also? What? <laughs> I lost my damn mind when he said I that. I like had to specifically black. go back twenty seconds to make sh- to see the subtitles from that moment because they're you know they're off. I like fa- figured out the timing of how far off the subtitles were so I could see the subtitles for that moment to confirm. Amazon Prime said, "Get your white butt out of there," which was funny. But yeah, that's what I was saying before. They censored all of the subtitles for this movie, which was. But really you said weird. like he has he has this aggressively offensive like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder like black you know characterized voice played he, straight. I can't explain that line played other than entirely just, straight. He does not think he is white. I think in this it movie, wild. He may be playing a black man. It's weird because he's like not. He doesn't have the accent of like a black man from the south, like a southern black man. He has a southern accent and an offensively bad black accent, like and yeah, separately just and between combined. the two. And it was and bad enough that they had to pay uh, someone to dub over it for. Okay, half okay, the movie. I do actually. Is it time? Can I get into some production? Please tell me how. Please this do because was such a train. Can I get wreck? into the production. I, the only movie? other thing I have because I said I didn't take a lot of notes. I just had to remember like specific details. The only other thing I wrote down was like, does he know? He's such a proud guy. He's so he doesn't want to share the fame with anybody. Does he know that they dubbed over his voice consistently okay. in a lot of these movies? I can tell you for this movie what happened. Please. So, the director of this film, Anthony Hickox. He was pretty excited for this actually when it was not even joking, literally a completely different film. So, Anthony okay. Hickox had a script that was a deep sea submarine horror film with aliens. Oh, okay. I'm not making. I'm right. not making this up. I'm down. The original script was a horror science fiction film where you're stuck at the bottom of the ocean with aliens in the submarine and like little creepy like crab things that like could you know go in and out of drains so like they could sneak up on you like wherever you were. And there was supposed to be a bitter old drunken captain. So he it was the director Anthony Hickox who previously worked on the Hellraiser series. I think he did Hellraiser three. He wanted to make the thing like John Carpenter's the thing in a submarine. Okay. That was the script. I would have liked that. Okay. That would have been good. He, he said, quote, it was really interesting, and then Seagal came on board. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so my. according to the director Anthony Hickox, Seagal signed on saying I liked the script. And then three weeks before they started shooting, Seagal calls him and says, I don't want the movie to be on a submarine. I That's... don't want aliens. I don't want to be in a monster movie, and Are I want there to be an serious? opera scene. That so he the said entire the entire movie, premise Seagal. of the movie. I don't Steven, want, and also serious? put an opera scene in there. Steven, you, that's the whole movie. <laughs> so, and then the whole mind control, like the mind control element of it, like this whole brainwashing thing, allegedly um, was just a last minute. They came up with that the week before they started shooting. <laughs> what? And... So the film was called Submerge because it was going to be in a submarine the whole time with like an alien horror movie. And yeah, Skullkin one just said no. Of like twenty minutes on a submarine. And who who let him say no? Who let him have that power? I, he, was he a producer? I, was this one produced by Steamroll? 
Steamroller? No, actually. It was, was Millennium, Millennium Films, New Image, and Emmett Furla Films. The New Image, we, I know we've seen before. I know we've seen them on a couple ones. He can't keep getting away with this. How <laughs> does he have so much creative control? He's not listed as a producer. He's not listed as a written by. No, Steven. No. Oh, also, it was distributed by Sony Pictures, which is weird. The film is what it is. If you don't like it, you can leave. We'll get somebody else. We'll get the somebody better. The problem is better. Seagal's entire career. His entire career is like who? Like nobody's saying no to this man. Like who let this man get in charge of this? Because, well, okay. like I said, when you describe that original premise, I would watch that movie. That's a good I movie. Would, and that like, would have been a good, oh, great oh, movie to watch and, instead and, of this one. And I think I promised that I would. I think this was to Aaron. I promised they like had conflicts on set, obviously. So, like, I don't know why he's been badly ADR'd in, like, the last, like, five movies we've seen. But in this one, it was because he refused to come in and record his lines. Like, we, they were like, we need you in post-production. And he just, like, didn't come. So they had to find the, someone. Okay. Someone for him. Here so we are. Seven. So Here we are in episode 19 of Steven C. at all. And so, like, I, I've been doing a little research recently. And there have been other podcasts which have watched all of Steven Seagal's movies. But none of them have watched them in order. And actually finished <laughs> or have, it. Or committed to all of them, yeah. And actually finished it. Like, there is one other podcast. Um, oh, what's it called? It's on Spotify. It's probably really good. I listened to, like, the first ten minutes of the first episode. We did some research, and we found some other podcasts that did have the same theme, like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But none of them did it in the same order or whatever. There are some differences. It doesn't matter. We just wanted to do yeah. this because we thought it'd be funny. But the biggest difference that I saw in a lot of them was that they were relatively positive about Seagal. Which and was very And then when they strange. found out that he was... Yeah, it was very strange. And then when they found out that he was actually a piece of shit, they put some kind of like disclaimer on their podcast that said, sorry, we didn't actually know that this guy's best friends with Putin or that he you know, very well might be a human trafficker. And then they stopped doing their podcast. <laughs> okay, We've been okay. clear about that from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, dear listener, you heard it here. We were never under any illusions that we were going to have a good time. Like <laughs> I, I think it is worth pointing out because there is, this does exist. When you look at Letterboxd reviews, when you look at, there's that book like Seagullology or whatever, a study of Skull's movies. There is, or at least was, a sect of people that like got an ironic joy out of it. Like I don't think any, like, I think there are maybe some people who are genuinely just like, oh, these movies are fun, and I like Seagal. There's another chunk that were like, oh, you know, so bad it's good, you can enjoy, like, it's ridiculous, but, like, you know, he kicks a dude through a plate glass window. It is neither of those. People that got genuine... I... So I think... I don't want to speak for all of us, but I hate Steven Seagal. I despise (laughs) this man. I think there's some people who, like, don't really like the person. You can speak for me, at least. (laughs) I... I don't. They watch these movies and they have fun and they enjoy it. It's like, so that's good. I'm not enjoying this. I'm Every not one enjoying of these, these movies, movies, I hate the man even more. I have They're zero not positive enjoyable. things to say. And the more of his movies I watch, the more negative things I have to say, both as a man and all, like as a person and on screen. I Honestly, I think the only joy we've gotten out of any of these is from the it's his like surrounding cast members. Well, well so, we get to talk to each other, yeah. The only reason you guys liked Under Siege 2 so much was because of... Um, Bogosian. Uh, Under Siege 1 and Arno. Or not Arno. Yeah, yeah it's it Arno. It's not his real name. But, so, okay, the reason I bring this up, the reason I bring up these other Seagal podcasts, and they're probably good. I think Seagal Sessions, I think the method that they use for picking their movies is interesting. They, like, roll dice, and that's the oh. movie that they watch. Oh, that's fun. 
which is interesting. Oh, jeez. But what we've done oh, here Lord. is... You can get some bad rolls. You can get some bad <laughs> rolls. It's mostly bad rolls, actually. Um, yeah. But, like, what the we've done here by... against you in that one. By watching them in order, I feel like I know Steven. And I am... You truly understand. I don't hate him. I, okay, I want to uh, say, I don't hate him. I am just that's fascinated. That's because you're a good person. By him. I am fascinated I by Stephen. How in the world? We have watched 19 of these things. Almost every single frame of every single one is terrible. How <laughs> did he keep getting movies? How did he convince <laughs> the writer and director of this film to just like rewrite Throw his movie? Away a good Throw idea. Throw away the entire film. How did he... How do you do that? How did that happen? Is he magic? Like, there must be some kind of like. Does he? Ha- is, is he actually? That... Does he actually have like some of the skills that he talks about this movie and just has dirt on everyone who has ever thought about <laughs> making a movie? And he just has like this He's library of compromising photographs into stuff. Like it's it's amazing because okay, I'm gonna skip way ahead in our typical format. The other people who have worked on this movie, okay, there are no incredibly famous actors. But there are people who you probably sure. recognize. Yeah, quite a few. Like, people who have been very successful in television, people who have been very successful in, like, uh, like B-movies and things. Like, Seagal is the most in this. Seagal is the most recognizable name on this. He should not be. And he's the worst yeah. part of it. He should not be the most recognizable name on this movie. Like uh, other people here, uh, Christine Adams, who plays the like doctor uh, who follows along. Uh, she was in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Tron Legacy, Batman Begins, Black Lightning, The Mandalorian. Uh, she was in Castlevania, the Netflix series Castlevania, which oh, were nice. all really good. Um. William Hope was in Aliens, yes. Captain America, the First yes. Avenger, he Sherlock was Holmes. In this. I loved yep. it. He, I loved him. He has been like the voice of Bert from Thomas the Tank Engine properties for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes of like <laughs> everything in Thomas the Tank Engine. Like these are actors and actresses who have been very successful. Totally unrelated. I also liked Vinnie Jones in here. Vinnie Jones is pretty solid. Vinnie Jones, uh, Nick Brimble was in A Knight's Tale, um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Like, these are people who have successful careers beyond Seagal. And yet, somehow, this man, Steven, will just walk into a project and take over the entire thing, and everyone just does it. (laughs) We need to be very clear. He doesn't, like, take over, like, you know, on a tour with a collective vision. He just, he grabs the entire project so he can just weigh it down and, like, sink it to the bottom of the pool. Like, he... Pretty Every, much, he just says no to all of the all of the things that they had planned. No, I'm not going to do that. So they have to figure out movies, a way to work around him. For 19 movies, straight. Every single contribution that we can trace back to Seagal has been bad for the overall health of the film and the production. And yep. yet somehow he keeps making movies. I don't understand. Yeah. Do you know a fun little Seagal, like the uh, one other like behind the scenes input I know it's about It's probably this movie. not fun, but tell me about it. <laughs> you know, like towards the end, he does the classic, like, you know, it's doing a gunfight. Seagal's doing like this gunfight. And then uh, like, you know, towards the end, he has like one fist fight with like a dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
He throws it. He has a shotgun and he throws it to the ground so he can do hand to hand. I assumed combat. it was out of ammo. But Maybe. then he disarms oh, the guy and takes away didn't... his pistol and then throws that on the ground. He had infinite ammo throughout the entire <laughs> film. There is no reason to believe that he was out of ammo. He didn't have to reload anything once. Anyway, fist fight, Zach, go. Um, so he, uh, Gary Daniels um, has an on-screen fight with Stephen Skull. And according to him in an interview, he said that originally, like, the stunt coordinator, Steve Griffin, was working on a longer, like, a action fight scene that's, like, very showy and flashy. Yeah. Um, but then Stephen Skull shows up. He says we're not doing that. He choreographed the fight himself the day it was filmed. Obviously. So it's like it was slap, it was a slap 10 fight. seconds long, and he just like kills the dude immediately. Like the guy doesn't even, Gary Daniels doesn't, doesn't even get a hit on him. Yeah. So they had a cool, good fight scene planned, and he just says, No, I'm too lazy for that. And it's like 10 seconds long, and it moves on. Like you said, literally every input we can trace to him makes the entire production worse. This was supposed to be. The director of Hellraiser 3 making the thing on a submarine and it becomes I don't know. Vinny Jones is in described. this. He played the juggernaut in X-Men yeah. The Last Stand. He's the juggernaut. He, he's from that meme everyone knows but from the movie that I know. Recognizable uh, meme. He's probably my favorite part of this movie. Okay, he's actually, the best part oh, of this. Okay, so I was wrong. There was another line in this movie. There's I can't remember exactly what it is but someone says something along the lines of like oh what are we playing like you know soccer or something. He was also like a real life like professional uh, UK, like soccer, sorry, football player. So a character saying that to him did make me chuckle. There was also uh, Ross McCall was in this for a very brief period of time. Actually, not that brief. I guess he made it into the second act, kind of. P.H. Mortiarty from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Like, yes. how how did these people get dragged into this? Because they signed on to the thing <laughs> in a submarine, and three weeks before shooting, Seagal because said no, on, also so, yeah, make an opera I mean, scene that Aaron's going This just confirms like. the story that you told, just like all these people who are successful actors, can act, are in good things, signed on to this movie, somehow everyone just let Seagal touch it, and then it just immediately imploded, because of course and it they, did. And they because literally that's how it happens every single like, time. How does this keep happening? And they literally did a month-long shoot with no script. I, and it's obvious, like you can tell. So, like looking at this movie, okay. So we talked about like at the beginning. I just one thing I want to talk about because I think it's hilarious, the way that special effects work in this movie, <laughs> how they are hilariously yes. bad but also strangely <laughs> high effort. So like, and they vacillate between weirdly low tech and like high tech and like previous air. Like it is weird. So there's a, a scene posh. where uh, Seagal and his ridiculously large crew are in a helicopter and they drop off the guy yes. who's like a double agent, but they don't know that at the time, but Seagal just guesses and ends up being right because that's how Seagal movies work. The helicopter that they're in is very obviously fake. It's not real. Like it's some sort of 3D model. Sometimes it looks like it could be like an, a miniature but then other times it's very obviously CG, and I, I can't really tell. But, like, there are, it's flying over a lake, and there are ripples on the water. And you can see, like, a reflection of the helicopter on the water. Like, that took time and effort. But the helicopter itself looks like garbage. And so, <laughs> it's like it was half done, and everyone just decided, eh, and then put, put it on I a also, disc and put it in Walmart. 
Like, but I also appreciate that they have a different scene with the helicopter before that, like the initial team going in. That was done yeah. with an entirely different technique because that's like we said, it's like the when they're showing like that stealth photography, like drone that's like looks like it shot out of like a 1950s like sci-fi, you know, invasion yeah. of the mutant whatevers. They're yeah. also like the helicopter there. They're in a some kind of a helicopter with like rear projection used. Like there is yeah. a very clear 1960s ass like rear projection technique used. Like they're just using different decades of visual effects from scene to scene. Which it would have been fine if they just actually I really, for that, did that. For that first, first 10 minutes, I like bought in. I thought they were like doing almost like an intentional retro like B-movie thing. And I was kind of on board with that. And <laughs> that actually would have really worked for like, you know, this kind of like sci-fi yeah. war movie. I would have loved that. And then, but then they use like weird early 2000s CG at other times. I, it is, this movie contains multitudes and I hate every single malt of that dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there are a bunch of people from like Band of Brothers in this. I think I'm, like, also, I'm going like, through the cast list, just like praying that I don't like, see some, like British soap opera this movie like, in anyone's top four credits. <laughs> and I don't, and I'm happy about that. Um, okay, Good. but so like, okay, let's just talk about the first 45 minute film that makes up this one movie called Submerged for no reason. Um, so I held out hope. And foolishly, I realized looking back that this was dumb, that I shouldn't have done this. But as I'm watching the first movie that make up these two movies, and they're like, they have to go in, rescue the prisoners who were captured during that first raid in the opening scene, and blow up the dam, which has the secret lab in it. I was like, oh, I was thinking about how did the production on this work? I was thinking, oh, what happened here was a small film crew heard that some dam was being decommissioned Mm. and it was going to be demolished and so they went and filmed a movie around it so that the climax of the film would be this dam being demolished and i was like oh well that makes sense like that that would be a cheap way to make a movie with a cool action set piece and how wrong was i how foolish i was to think that it was actually planned around this because when they get to the demolition of the dam like the whole mission in the first like half hour of this movie is to rescue these people and to blow up this dam and they spend like 15 minutes setting these charges and fighting a tank to make sure that like the charges on the inside of the dam wall are set when it actually blows it's like some after effects fire placed on top of a picture of a dam and then, like, some bad CG water flowing over the top of the dam, and the whole shot of the dam being destroyed is maybe eight seconds long. Oh, less. Like, it is incredible how disappointing. The funny thing is, I think you're underselling how bad it really is. It's, dear listener, it's worse than what he just described. Like, because there's even, when it first blows up, it, like, it just looks like the water is on fire. It looks like the dam was full of gasoline, and then it just becomes, like, the crappy, like, CG water, and then it's over. Yeah. Let me see if I can find a a still of the dam exploding. Like, it's it's nothing. It is nothing. Finding one of the 300,000 bad stills of this movie. It's nothing. What if we just didn't talk about this movie anymore? (laughs) This might be a short episode. What if that's it? I really don't have that much more to say about it. Um, Oh, favorite lines? Oh, you got 10 minutes to get your white ass out of here. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Favorite lines. I think mine was 
the Seagal, the, who was the guy that was in big business and he was okay with mind control or something? I don't exactly remember. I, Seagal, that, yeah, that guy takes him away from the opera and then takes his car and is yes. driving his car very aggressively with the like rear projection showing wild variation in the road. Yeah. It almost looked like an uh, airplane when they're when the guys drive into the airport. Didn't make any sense with the actual movements of the car. And then uh, he, uh, what did he say? Oh, he says to Seagal, I've only had this car a couple of weeks and he's all nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Seagal's like thrashing his car around. You know, I've only had this car a couple of weeks. It is my, sad that my that's one of the best lines in this movie. Yeah, that's that's kind of depressing because I'm I'm seeing it back now and I'm thinking that doesn't sound that funny. It's not that funny. <laughs> my retelling well, also, of it certainly isn't funny. Also, that whole scene but that was of the him, best line. <laughs> the whole point of the opera scene was to rescue that guy because there was like an assassination attempt against him, but they needed <laughs> to question him. The whole point was to rescue that guy. He get he gets this guy, puts him in his car, drives the five minutes from the opera house where the secret lab is, by the way. It's in the same city. Uh, and then he, like, crashes through a whole bunch of windows because it's a Seagal movie and they haven't broken enough sugar glass yet. <laughs> and then they end up, like, in this mall or office building or something. And he, like, holds a gun to the guy's head that he's trying to rescue, says, get out of the car. He steps out of the car and immediately gets blasted. Like, it just annihilated it immediately. Worse. And then Seagal gets out of the car <laughs> And just standing in the middle of this lobby with one handgun takes out like nine dudes who all have automatic rifles that can't hit him. But he just bam, 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 yeah. takes small outs after getting the guy who was supposed to rescue killed. I That scene made no sense. I was like, why are you kicking this guy out there? I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Hans just posted the image of the dam breaking. It It's like an AI generated... <laughs> it, it's like one of those even like, pre open ai ai generated images where the more you look at it the more wrong it is like it like your it, brain you can tries tell to it's find trying to be something finds the ill logic it is trying to be something like the water is sharp somehow there are like five different lighting setups in this one shot <laughs> it is amazing is your Aaron is your favorite line just like the woman kind of making like a fun face whenever like all the guns are pointed at her? Yeah, because she looks almost like Margot Robbie. <laughs> she does like a Margot Robbie impression. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> Guy who has only ever seen Babylon. Hmm, I'm getting strong Babylon. <laughs> uh, I have to point out, Seagal at the time that this movie was made was 53 years old. Jeez. His his hairline in this movie is so fake (laughs) so like aggressively painted on it looks like i don't even know how to describe it just the way the the like point the signature seagal point comes down onto his forehead here than it's ever been it really is and it's so like he's 53 when this movie came out and every one of those years shows no, it it doesn't. That's the point. Like he's well, I should okay, no. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because it absolutely does. But his in his hairline, it does not. Like he's in denial well, no, of his. The reason age. I think about this is so I just watched. I just saw an interview with Pierce Brosnan the other day. It's actually very nice. It was like uh, this guy was talking to him, and they realized they're from the same hometown, and they connected. It was really cute. And like he's an older gentleman, and like I would not believe him like still being in James Bond like an action movie, but like. He still looks like, oh, this guy's like, you know, he, he's older, but he's still looking fine. Seagal looks rough in this. Like, he has not 
aged gracefully. The he movie started does Batman not Wars. do a whole lot to help him. No, but he also doesn't do a whole lot to help the movie. So no, and he actually actively worked against the movie being good. It turns out, yeah, <laughs> every step of the way. I'm trying to get a still of of his facial expression here. I can't. Uh, I can't quite get it. My. My third note, my first three notes on this movie. Millennium changed their logo. Interesting. <laughs> this model drone is amazing. Yes. <laughs> my third note, I'm getting big Spy Kids vibes here. Oh, it's so Spy Kids. It's so Spy Shit. It's amazing. Specifically Spy Kids 2, by the way. Note number four, why is everyone so sweaty? You can tell how much we're into the movie because I think like on seven separate occasions we've talked about this like one shot of the drone from like the start. Like, <laughs> it's oh, like I gotta, hang first on. while I'm at it, while I'm at it, getting it. screenshots, I got to go back and get there's like 95 drone. minutes in this Did... movie. And we're all talking about like the 20 seconds that this like <laughs> this this like drone special effect because it's star of the probably, movie. It's like the most memorable part of the movie. There's going to be so much uh, editing out of clicks and keyboard strokes on my end. Okay, so what what movie should you watch instead of this one? I'm just going to list Kids off two. every movie. <laughs> That's the thing. My movie you should watch instead of this is just every movie that this movie is trying to be. So it is Spy Kids 2. It is Bad Boys 2. It is Fast and the Furious. At the very end, when they're all sitting around the dinner table, it's very it's like literally like the ending of one of the Fast that and the Furious could, movies. Like, yeah, that was definitely... After all this happened, just, like, family stole this table. some script from a Fast and Furious movie and then just filmed that for like the last two minutes of this one. Um, Hunt for Red October, we said, watch that instead. Mm-hmm. Weirdly enough, we actually haven't mentioned this yet. Um, like, the exact premise of, like, we got these people, like, in prison and we'll send them on this, like, dangerous mission that we know a team's already failed at, like, because we don't care if they die. Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Honestly, I'm gonna recommend either Suicide, Suicide Squad movie before... You know what? I'm gonna include... You could watch either live-action Suicide Squad movie or the, like, animated, like, DC animated universe, like, Suicide, <laughs> Suicide Squad movie. Any of those would be better than this. Um... Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, much better opera scene. Um, actually, so weirdly enough, this movie, I can't say I was trying to be this, but conveniently, like yesterday, I just got around to watching Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. So Ooh. if you want... Yeah, oh, there's the drone. Oh, droney, I love you. Just in case you were curious, that's not what a Predator drone looks like. Not even close. No! <laughs> um, but I was just watching Bullet Train. Which was, it was pretty fun. It was actually a pretty decent one. Oh, uh, um, I kind of wish I saw it in theaters. has a similar premise uh, as far as like mind control and making people violent goes, but I don't, I don't like very much. Uh, Kingsman. Oh, you should watch Kingsman. Said much better action but, with a similar sort of mind control premise. What I was going to talk about was like kind of how, it, admittedly, in this movie they were only trapped on the submarine for like you know ten fifteen minutes, like we said. But if you want like a movie that is set like on one vehicle, like everyone is just like in this vehicle together and like doing into all kinds of wacky hijinks, that's Bullet Train for you. Yeah. Um, I you know what any of the Kingsman's movies I haven't even seen like the latest Kingsman, and I'd still say it's probably better than this one. Oh, there's so many movies you could watch instead of this Babylon. It, <laughs> <laughs> Babylon just goes uh, if you want the best parts of this movie stretched out for like three hours uh, the, the list of movies you should watch instead is just too long it's too long um I has this has this taken the number one spot from ticker as the worst Seagal movie for you no that's tough this I comes think in ticker still holds a it. close second but ticker is still I this would is say right this there is a ticker. very close second 
This is the greatest contender we have had. You could put these two in the ring, and I would not exactly know which one to bet on, but I do think like in like the I don't know how many rounds boxing has in like the ninth round, uh, ticker <laughs> would take it. Oh, you can watch Raging Bull instead of this. It's a good boxing movie. Any of the Rocky movies. Um, I've been watching a lot cause... of Friends recently since we got it. You on can watch Netflix. Friends instead of this. I would just much rather Friends. have been watching Friends than this. Or while we're talking about TV shows, we like Barry. Oh, watch Barry. I have not seen the latest oh. episode. Um, I Barry won't talk about it then because right it's, after I'm pretty much <laughs> so always one episode better. behind. I freaking love that show. I can't. It is I very I good. Don't... I got my dad hooked. Yes. Really? Yeah. Yes. He's crushing it. How? <laughs> That's How awesome. I have abs. I have one episode. There's one episode at, at the time of recording. There is one episode left in the entire series, Aww. and I have absolutely no idea how they're going to wrap it's gonna it up. It's going to be wild. I really don't. Wait, Aaron. How does your? I know your dad has kind of a feelings on movies that feature Marines with Barry, his character being a Marine, and that oh, he thinks in it's great. He... Okay, cool, cool, awesome. Dad gets it. No, yeah, he he thinks Barry's awesome. Where is he? <sighs> um, it's uh. He, I will have to. Oh, I can look at my phone because I, I was asking my dad this through a text recently. Hey, everyone, welcome to Bill Lover, Not Hater, the Bill Hater <laughs> fancast where we're talking about Barry. Um, join us next I week. I would love to do a, a Bill Hater Tropic season. Summer. Oh, I would oh my gosh, Hater season. Uh, my dad said, uh, last time I texted him, which was a few days ago, the detective just got kicked in the head and killed in the grocery store. <laughs> Ronnie Lilly. He just watched Ronnie Lilly. About. He just watched the most insane episode of that show. <laughs> He's whipping through it. Oh, you should be watching Ronnie Lilly instead of this movie. I no one. We, we don't even. Okay, here's the thing. I, I like this. I really like this kind of bit that you introduce Aaron, where we tell movies that people should watch instead of this. Nobody's watching this movie. Like we don't even need to recommend other movies to watch instead. No. Nobody's watching this. Watch literally <laughs> any other movie. Yeah, I I've been coming up with a bunch Except of jokes Dicker. the past couple episodes. I'm gonna try. I'm I'm gonna try to actually have a, a real suggestion when it's applicable. But for this one, God, it was just so bad. I can't. I just oh, also can't. the also the Matrix. We talked about how it does. It like literally tries to do the Matrix lobby shootout. Yeah. It even steals the same joke, like not exactly the same way in that movie where they walk through like heavily armored. In this one, they're in the lobby and there's a metal detector. And like while he's holding the gun, running after a guy, he like runs through the metal detector and it goes off, which is kind of funny. But it's like that joke's been done. Um, but oh, it wouldn't oh, oh, even matter does... if that joke's been done. It's just because it's 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 like a funny little quirky joke in the middle yeah. of everything else that's going. The movie on you're just screen. praying like, to end, and it starts Gaul becoming a third no movie, and you're like, just end everything. Yeah. He just has this thing about himself. The, the way he plays his character, everything has to be played straight. He's always the straight guy. Yeah, he is. And it's... You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a good SNL host right there. That sounds like a good Saturday Night We Night really need to right do the there. SNL episode. I need like, you guys to watch the SNL episode. It's so I tried. Awful. It's so hard. <laughs> because oh, what he gonna... can't... He, it's not that, I don't think it's that he can't do comedy. No, it's I think that he refuses to try. He like well, it's that he refuses to make fun of himself, and that's what SNL is. He is always the straight guy in every situation, and it's just painful. But it's not just that he refuses to make fun of himself. It's just that also, like, when they do attempt humor, the only jokes this guy responds to, the only jokes this guy even attempts, are like prison rape jokes. 
Like that's his <laughs> style of humor because that's I, happened in multiple of these movies. They this at yeah. the beginning, whenever like the squad's getting brought on, his like teammates they're making jokes about being people's boyfriends in prison. Like, oh. yeah, I want him to crack a smile at no, some you don't, point in his I, life. No, the best the best you can get is a weird smirk at the wrong time. I was just it's... re-listening to the Fire Down Below episode, and I, re- and I remember being angry. Like, he does, like, this genuine, like, this full, like, grimace smirk, and it made me angry. Steven, I, if you're I... listening, don't, by the way. No, you should. <laughs> but... Steven, I know you're listening. I'm fascinated by you in the same way Aaron is, but I I hate you so much. I am fascinated. <laughs> you you need a hug. Like, man. you need help. No. 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 Ew. Help. No. Absolutely not. Get I that. Don't... Wash your mouth out with soap. What the, well, what the hell? Here's, here's my reason. He's very no. dangerous because yes. he walks into these projects and just takes over the whole thing and everyone just sort of lets him. That sort of power should not be joined together with this sort of incompetence. Okay, but this dude he had like... movie poison. This dude had like four wives. I'm sure they hugged him at least once. Like... <laughs> That didn't fix it. That didn't help it. I don't know what you need. I, this man cannot be fixed, Aaron. <laughs> Everyone can be fixed, Zach. I don't... <laughs> I'm holding I out feel like for Steve. <laughs> You're holding. Oh boy, that that is a new definition of hope. <laughs> Come on, um, Steve. I was gonna say though, this movie does reset. I gotta watch Steven thirty Seagal. more of these, Steve. Oh. That's uh, hope the only thing carrying you through this. But this movie does reset the run counter. Steven Seagal is not yet, you know, general of Chair Force One. He still runs in this movie. So we are at zero again. This might be the last one. But in 2005, he did run on screen for like five seconds. He did general run. General of Chair Force. So we'll see. Is that he... is that a Zach original? Can you claim credit for that? Well, every other branch of the armed force likes to call the Air Force the Chair Force. So, oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. a long-running military joke. I'm not. I grew up in a marine house. Never mind. We definitely yeah. talked about the chair force. I'm sorry, but he's not yet graduated to you know four legs. He's still on two legs at this point. So <laughs> yeah, we'll reset that counter. We'll know. We'll keep make a note that he has run in this movie, and we'll see if it's the last time. I have Woof. no hope. I'm glad you still have hope, Aaron. I, I, I definitely hate Steven Seagal. I definitely hate Steven Seagal movies. I'm concerned at the end of this project. I'm just going to hate movies. <laughs> I don't hate movies. I yet. doubt it. Is like these other podcasts that I've looked at, just doing our market research, you know, making sure we're actually feeling a filling a real niche. Uh, <laughs> is that these other podcasts do them out of order? Yeah. Which I just doing it in chronological order seems the most logical to me. Right. Well, but it, but it also exactly like you said, you get a better look at Steven Seagal as a person, as an actor. Like I'm as learning a... so much about him to but see. But it's for him good and bad. Up. Like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna do a Scorsese podcast, I'd want to start beginning and go through chronological, yeah. like see his evolution as a filmmaker. How does the previous project influence the next? So right. like a couple episodes ago, we were talking about like Seagal made two movies in the same year, and one has a vastly higher budget than the other. Just like looking at the movies. How did that happen? Like, what is going on at this part in his career? Like, I just find that interesting. Yeah. Um, and I've I've learned so much during this podcast, making of this podcast. And I hope I keep learning because, like I said, we have 31 more movies. 
See, uh, here's the problem. Here's one problem. Here, here's one. We're actually at 49 because we did. I don't think we ever talked about this, but we did skip Clementine, which mm-hmm. isn't actually a Steven Seagal movie. Ooh. So where there were originally 50 of these, there are only 49 now. 49. Ooh. Although we're going to, I think there's going to be some like special like bonus because I feel like we do have to do one on Saturday Night Live. Maybe we do like, you know, one episode just devoted to like his bit parts. So like, you know, yeah. uh, Clementine and was the one with Kurt Russell, like some of those ones where he just appears yeah yeah the tangents yeah um the only the major problem i have though is the pigeonholing aspect like you know like sean evans host of hot ones like this is something he's talked about where like he'll get asked to do other projects like people reach out to him like do you want to work on this thing and he's like doesn't involve being in hot wings and they're like yes like every single time that mm-hmm. he is like the guy that eats hot. he is a great he's an amazing interviewer but he is also just like he's known as like the hot wings guy like after this is done after we rap on you know steven c at all or whatever i can't tell another You're person worried? i do i i don't want any other person to know i did a steven skull podcast because then they're gonna want to talk about like they're gonna ask questions or you know <sighs> or maybe they're not interested buddy you put your name front and center on this project i, th- I think that ship has sailed but that's what i'm worried that, exactly that like at this point right now i don't tell people i'm doing this podcast i was literally at like a work oh, I event where, where i sat at a table <laughs> I was at a work event where each table had a different theme, like talk about, you know, books you like here, talk about, you know, hikes and nature trails nearby here. One of them was podcasts. I sat at the podcast table. I I refuse to mention the fact that I'm currently doing a podcast (laughs) because at the end of this, after watching 49 to 50 student school movies and talking about each one for like, you know, 40 to an hour and a half, I'm not ever going to want to like say this man's name again. And if I say, oh, I did a podcast where I watch all 50 Steven Skull movies, naturally any follow-up question involves me talking about watching Steven Skull movies, and I do not want to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I already know I'm done with it after this podcast. I will never watch another movie with this man again. I will never speak his name. No. And I don't. that's not how things work. So I. this is like, I need to bury this. This is like my deep, dark secret. Like, no one can know I did this podcast, because... Uh. If I did a Martin Scorsese project and they like, tell me about Martin Scorsese, I'm like, absolutely, yes, I love that man, Raging Bull, amazing. But I'm gonna, I'm, they're gonna be like, hey, I heard you're doing like a Steven, like this has happened now multiple times. Like when we were at lunch with my grandparents the other day, and Sarah's like, oh, did you tell me you're doing a podcast? I'm like, eh. <laughs> oh yeah, I've started having my family ask like where they can listen to the podcast, and I'm like, I, I don't know if you'd like it. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Well, it's also with my grandparents. I'm like, do they even understand the con? Like, do do I first have to you know explain the concept of a podcast and then explain like why what the appeal of this might be? Because I can't explain the appeal of this to myself. How am I going to explain the appeal of this to someone who is listening to FDR's fireside chats for their version of a podcast? Oh my! Like, this was a mistake. I I'm, I hate my life. Um, although fortunately, I do go on my honeymoon um, in a couple of days. So that will be my cleanse. We'll be in Italy. We will <laughs> not be watching a Steven Seagal movie. I will not speak his name. We will not watch a movie or talk about him for two weeks. And I think that is just what you know how in olden times, like a character, like someone in would have like that. Well, <laughs> when you're reading like literature from like the early like 1900s and a character has like bad lungs and they prescribe them, you must go live by the sea for like a summer. Yeah, it's that I got like a prescription for Italy for two weeks to fix like my Segalitis that I have. Like, um, I, I, my vigors are low. I must, you know, go to, you know, Italy to like, you know, restore my a little too much black bile, my composure. <laughs> yes. The, I yes, haven't the, taken the any vapors time are off me. this year. I have very much been considering just taking a week. Just oh, I'm, for no, I'm going just on vacation no in two weeks. Oh, where are you going? 
I'm going sure. to Germany. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. What, for how long? A week. Seven a days. A week. And when wait, when do you leave? Wait, for that? so wait, does yeah. that mean does that mean three weeks without recording? Or does that does no, one of, one of those overlaps with Zach? Okay. Man, I was really excited there for a second. Almost <laughs> I'm sorry. Almost a whole month without Seagal and that gets brought back to two weeks. <laughs> you know what the worst part is? I'm gonna get back from it's I'm getting it's like a five or six hour like time difference. I'm gonna like get back on like that Monday and have to watch a Seagal movie like within a day or two. <laughs> you get back on, on the twelfth and then re record on the fourteenth. Yes. Oh, oh, that is just oh, waking up from a dream into a nightmare. Oh, out of the frying pan, but frying pans are good in this situation, and then into the fire. <laughs> oh, I'm not looking forward to that. Oh, I'm sorry. Should we? Uh... Well, you get back from Germany and then have to do the same thing. Yeah, I know. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, I have one last recommendation before we wrap up this episode. Okay. Uh, and this is kind of a serious recommendation, actually. Uh, so like we said before, when we were talking about the cast of this movie, pretty much everyone else who touched this film is successful in some way. So my recommendation to our dear listeners is go on IMDb, mm-hmm. click a random actor or actress who was on this movie, and then just go watch something that they made. Yeah, that's fair. Because it's all better than this. And they deserve it. <laughs> yeah, truly. I mean, that's William Hope. Like, he was in Aliens. Go watch Aliens. Go watch Aliens. Yeah. Go watch Ross McCall in um, White Collar. Yes. That's a great show. Go watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and you'll get, like, two or three of the actors who were in this movie. Man, this one sucked, huh? (laughs) It was pretty bad. (laughs) This was really bad. (laughs) Submerged, more like uh, submerged uh, until it died. I don't know. Yeah, I'd rather (laughs) submerge my head in a pool of lava i don't know so next episode will be today you die oh what that's not the title title. title. it is the title i gotta tell you today i died a little because of submerged (laughs) somebody better be out to kill me (laughs) (laughs) i want to walk right into the sun (laughs) no you can't just uh Are you going to be unwrapping little candies during the actual recording like we just heard?